What's up, everybody? We are back with another episode of the EX Performance Podcast. Uh, as usual, it's the dynamic duo of myself, Chris McNamara, and the, the young wonder, Jeremy Kane. We're going to be talking to you today about training age. So Jeremy and I were talking about this right before we hopped on the podcast. Um, you know, recently with, with all the COVID changes and with a, some of our social media posts and then just things in general, we've been hit, getting hit up by people asking, hey, can I buy that person's program? Can I just buy a program you did for the gym a long time ago? Or can I buy some sort of, you know, cookie cutter um, Power, PowerPoint presentation or Excel sheet on how you got that person there? And we typically have to have a conversation with that person and say, hey, that's, that's not what we do. And there's a few major reasons for it. But today's episode talking about training age is probably one of the biggest reasons why we don't just give out blanket programming. What may work for one person could absolutely break another person or not be enough of a dose for the, the last person. So with that, I'm going to kick it over to you, Jeremy. When I say training age, what are you thinking? So we have the, so we have training age and biological age, right? So biological, it's funny we're talking about this now because I actually just, one of my athletes mentioned it to me, um, asking questions about it because it's kind of confusing. So you have your training age, which is how long you've been training in said sport. Um, and then biological age is like how old you are, right? So if I'm 25 um, and I, let's say, been training for six years, my biological age off to 25, I have a training age of six years. Um, and what that means to me when I'm like taking in a, in a new athlete, um, and I ask for them, like, my general question is like, what have you been doing? And that usually leads to the answer of like, Oh, I've been doing weightlifting for a couple of years. I just started CrossFit six months ago. Um, it can direct programming and even testing to an extent to what they can handle, what their progression is going to look like, what exercises they need to do. And it's a good indicator, I think, for coaches to not just send a blanket statement program. Um, and kind of get more in the weeds of the individual side of things. Yeah, and, and I think that's the key point of why we don't just give out programs that work for one person to the next. So, you know, I'll give you a good example, a real example. I've got two athletes right now. Um, we're going down to a competition next week down in Myrtle Beach, and one of them has been training, has a high-level training age, probably 12, 15 years within just the sport of CrossFit, you know, one of the earliest uh, adopters and then I've got some other ones who are in the three or four year range they're doing the same training uh, I'm sorry they're doing the same competition but their training looks drastically different and so when people come to us and they're like hey I'm I'm preparing for the same competition that that your athletes are can I just have their program well that training age takes into a lot of uh, account a lot of things that you don't just see on a spreadsheet right like how much volume that person can handle is not just what their max squat is times a certain percentage. Like if they've been doing it for years, their nervous system can take that hit. Their musculature can take that hit. But on the other end, if they've got a max effort or a maximum, let's say, squat of 500 pounds and they weigh 180 pounds, that is drastically more tissue sheer force and compression than someone who's got a max squat of 405 at the same body weight who's been training less. So it's not just about mileage and it's not just about how long they do in the sport there's so many other factors that go into it it's just it's, i think it's too complex like even little things like deloads and tapers 
are different for advanced athletes than they are beginner athletes. Like if those advanced athletes are hitting a 405 pound back squat from 15 reps, like that nervous system is different, like you said, than the person that may be hitting that for one rep. Um, the deload, the taper, everything's different. So if we give an advanced athlete's program, great, you're going to go into the competition feeling worked because their deload volume is probably more than you can handle. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's where, you know, when it, when it all comes down to it, when someone says to me, like, training age, I'm looking at kind of their, their physical literacy. Like, when, when I have my son, who's seven, in first grade reading, like he's reading, I am 36 now. I have been reading my whole life. Like we both move, we both read quote unquote physical literacy, but how we do it, how much it takes out of us, what's normal for me is not normal for him. And that's where people shift mindset from barbells and sets and reps and look at other things in life. You wouldn't just jump into a PhD program from first grade, you know? And that's where some people, they, they see what they want, they see the pinnacle, but when it comes to training age or physical literacy, they don't realize it's not the same just because we're the same age and we're doing the same thing. Yeah, and, and generally um, what I see the biggest issue with people understanding this is when they come from like a bodybuilding background. Um, so it's like the example I always use, if you did bodybuilding and you did whatever that consists of, uh, and then you come over, let's say, to do functional fitness and you do power cleans, doesn't matter if you're doing bodybuilding for seven years. I generally would like to say within the realm of Olympic lifting, your training age is zero. You have no technique. You <laughs> like every, so what we're going to look at and what I, and we'll get into this is the gains in which I'm like expecting and how I'm going to lay out your program is that of someone that has a zero training age versus like, congratulations, you did, let's say bodybuilding or aesthetics for six years. It doesn't translate over. Because generally for me, what I do is I'll, I'll take a beginner or a young training age, which I consider to be less than two years. Um, and that's typically when you could see from my perspective, I see a lot of rapid growth. And then also you're kind of figuring out how to be autonomous within the sport. When we talk about like the like pyramid of hierarchy of how people move, like in the beginning stages, that I don't expect athletes to be like autonomous in movement where they're getting it under, like they're getting it well, they're progressing rapid or they are progressing rapidly. Um, two to five years, I would say is about an intermediate person where kind of the little things I always like to say matter. So start paying attention to nutrition, start paying attention to your sleep, warm up properly, like the little things that you kind of harp on, but <laughs> no one really ever does. Like that's when the intermediate stuff matters. And then the advanced stuff, five plus years, that's when you have people monitoring their sleep, monitoring their nutrition down to like every day, um, seeing small fluctuations in their maximal efforts, like, and they're completely autonomous. So when a program, when someone asks me for a program, it's almost, that's one of the first steps I ask is, Hey, like where stage are you at? Because let's say I want to increase the, a question I get a lot is like when I post an athlete, like PR to snatch, like, Hey, send me their snatch program. Well, if someone was an intermediate training age and I had them doing a lot of EMOM work, just kind of like repetitions, and you're a beginner, you need to learn how to overhead squat before you can snatch. Um, so yeah. it's like that's kind of what my, where I go when I look at it. Yeah, and that's where, you know, taking it back to like the reading analogy, like someone just jumping into this beginner, very low training age, like they're just trying to learn how to read right now. They're not writing book reports, which is the max effort lifts. They're not going for a college degree, which is like what our advanced athletes do. 
And then obviously they're not writing textbooks like our elite athletes do when they go to sanctionals and CrossFit things. But, you know, the, the concept I think a lot of people forget about is everything we are doing is a learned skill. Squatting is a learned skill. Deadlifting, benching, like you talk to the elite in their sport, it's absolutely a skill-based thing. And that's the same thing with pacing and with strategy and with, with high, highly complex things. But with a beginner, their program is not just sets and reps to make them stronger. Their program is sets and reps to teach them, like segmented learning. Here's your ABCs. Here's how you stack them together and here's how we build from there. You know, the intermediate and the advanced, we start to layer in different things. But because some people are like, hey, I'm the same age as, as whatever person you posted and I've been training, granted it's maybe not the same training that long, let me just do what they're doing, I'll be okay. And sometimes that's pretty hard to explain to people because there's this whole perception bias, like most of us think we're better than we actually are. And so you get these people who are like, hey, I'm, I'm past that, I'm, I'm not there because I've been you know, in our gym, I've been in the military training really hard for a long time. Yeah. yeah, but it's not the same. So if I'm going to teach you to have you progress later on down the road, you got to give me the trust to step back a little bit based on your training age, and we can develop you. Now, it's not linear. It's not one year to one year for some of these people. Some of them pick up skills really fast, and some of them add, add you know, uh, muscle and things really quickly. But if we just jump to the point where we're already at the advanced stage and we totally skip that first part, we're just doing them a disservice. Yeah, I think – yeah, and like I think what ends up happening is I think the the left and right limits get more broad as soon as you get more advanced. Like you get the new athletes, like I said, they're trying to learn how to just write a letter. Like here's your like, I mean, I'm showing some videos if everyone's gonna watch this, but uh, <laughs> um, like your left and right limits is super small percentage work, super fine like technique stuff that we're like specifically attacking versus we have our advanced programs or athletes that we deal with. Sometimes it's a feel thing, man. They're like, Hey, just play with a snatch for a little bit. And all of a sudden they send us a video like, Oh, did a hang snatch. And this felt great. It's like their left and right limits is so much more broad than what a, a new athlete needs because they need purpose and direction. Yeah, absolutely agree. And, and one of the, I guess one of the, the more fun things about this job and coaching to me is a text like I got yesterday from one of my guys, Pat, um, you know, he had some injuries going on. He's getting ready for a special forces selection here this fall. Um, we've been locked down due to Corona stuff. And so we took him back to what I would argue is a pretty boring and basic and almost, uh, you know, to some high level guys getting ready for that almost like insulting type program. Cause we're doing a lot of corrective work. We're yeah. doing a lot of bird dogs to fix his back. We're doing a bunch of carries and things that are boring. But then yesterday he texted me, he's like, hey man, I did my ruck this week. Um, you know, I was doing some ruck run intervals and I was minutes faster on my pace ahead. What is this voodoo? And it's not voodoo. It's the <laughs> guy, you know, hitting his stride. The, the programming is one thing, like his physical ability has gotten better, but it's the combination of his ability with his ability to express his natural talent. So we weren't adding horsepower early on. We were just having him learn himself unlock his own horsepower to use it we haven't even got to the speed phase yet we haven't even got to the the capacity phase yet it's just been fixing his foundation basically what you do with like a beginner intermediate athlete and now he's starting to hit his stride right as we head into the fall um summer and fall training session and he heads to sfax i think people like 
take that for granted sometimes. I think when you do things correct, it doesn't one always have to leave you like mopped off the floor. We've talked about that in previous episodes, but it's just so true. So you have to say it again. Like you don't have to be crawling off the floor every single session to feel like you did something correct. And, and along those same lines, it's like when I get an athlete that I'll run that through, like we're doing corrective work and, and maybe they're more endurance based. So I run through a strength cycle and then I throw them a six mile ruck test or even some, a five mile run. And they're like, wow, that felt incredibly hard, but it's the same exact time. I'm like, well, let's put it this way. You did the same exact time. It felt more difficult, but you put 50 pounds on your back squat or 50 pounds on your deadlift. The fact that we haven't been doing running stuff as an advanced training athlete, a lot of times you just have to get used to the skill again. Um, I think newer athletes or more beginner athletes in their training age don't have to like, for example, they could do a pull up on a Monday and then in three weeks be like, Hey, do a max set of pull ups. And all of a sudden now they're doing like the same amount, if not more versus an advanced athlete has to do so many things that they need to touch on it quite frequently or else they'll lose kind of what their maximum potential is. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, when I, when I first get a new athlete, I think one of the ways I look at training age and do a needs analysis is like, okay, do they have the ability to do X movement, right? We'll say a pull up. Can they do a pull up? That's a skill piece. It's also just a fundamental issue. So, you know, no one comes to us with a blank slate because they're all typically adults or teenagers. So, you know, they have some foundational level but how proficient are they at there at that specific thing? Like, can they do it? Can they replicate it over and over? So that's consistency. But then we look at capacity, right? Some of my tactical athlete testers are an EMOM 10 of dips and pull-ups and, and all this other stuff. So I'm looking at, do they have the capacity to throw the volume at them that I want to? And if the answer is no, then we start with one of those very basic programs. If yes, then we maybe go to intermediate um, on some of those other ones. And the last thing is like, what's their economy of effort here? So they may do something that, hey, I want you to do 100 calories on the bike in this amount of time, and they fall off completely dead. Meanwhile, yeah. the other ones who've been doing it for a long time, they've, they've been able to, uh, you know, or on the other end of that, they, they'll do it and they'll be like, okay, I'm done, because they don't know how to go hard. Yeah. You know, the beginner athlete, they just, they just don't know what they're doing. Like, I was watching something with Casey the other day on, on National Geographic channel about baby snakes. Baby snakes will bite you and inject all their venom. They can't control it. So they're actually more dangerous. To me, that's the same analogy to a beginner athlete. They're more dangerous because they don't know how to go all out when they need to, and they don't know how to scale back when they need to. That's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just like, that's, I, I've never heard it put that way, but I think that's a good way to put it. Like, you don't know kind of what you're capable of in both senses. Like, you don't know that you can – a lot of times for my beginner athletes, if I give them, let's say a 5k row or even now that's a little aggressive for a beginner. So like one or 2k row, I'll just have them repeat it. Like sometimes three weeks in a row because, and it's kind of, it seems monotonous, but what they end up seeing is like they do the 1k and let's say they go four 15. Right. And then it's like, cool. Next week, just do a 1k. And now they're 405, 350, 340. It's like, they're not getting fitter over the span of a, a week and a half, two weeks. But what they're learning is like, okay, this is what that feels like to go a little bit harder. This is what it feels like to go a little bit harder. And now we get to a 340. It's like, okay, that's your true, maybe 1K. We can work from there. 
But I think oftentimes what some coaches will do is they won't take training age into account, <clears throat> give them a one K row and they get four Oh five. And they're like, all right, cool. Well now we have to do all of our pacing off of that. It's like, well, if you paced off of a one K and you're building aerobic intervals, they're really not going to be working. Then you're just wasting an eight, eight week block. Like if you base it off of that. So that's why it's important to know your training age because it can essentially waste a, an aerobic block because the intervals that you need to do at a 341 k vastly different than 205 or 405 yeah and that's that's you know an interesting thing that gets highlighted for me when i get an athlete who comes from like a high level sport to a military background like switching gears from crossfit stuff because that's kind of varied but you know i'll have someone come from a high level sporting background whether that's you know like a barbell or iron sport and powerlifting or weightlifting or a sport like rowing running you know something on the endurance end and for our tactical athletes we kind of have to have a blend for durability um, but it is a little more shaded towards endurance and so they come in from this high level sport background and they don't realize they have to set back to, to square zero for the what they suck at we can maintain the strength at a high level but if we're switching gears for that athlete like their training age in the endurance realm is zero and so they can't just rapidly accelerate, you know, skip, skip past 10 spaces and go to the high stuff because they were a high level, you know, sport or, or other athlete in another field. And that's like that. The, I'm sure, have you read the Caldeets um, triphasic tactical training qualities? I definitely have. Yeah, that's one of the things that he talks about is being well diverse in all the, he created these different um, tactical training qualities where it spans all the way from absolute strength to lactic endurance, endurance. There's, was there eight, eight of them, right? Seven or eight. There's, there's six main ones that he six main ones. And so like what I'll do is for, I just ran Trish through one of them. Like you can group the training qualities based off of what they're weak at. So they're not competing. And I think that's something that's important is like Trish, huge, endurance athlete base her strength was like down she always thought that hey if i work on my strength i'm gonna lose a lot of um endurance but when we look at the tactical training qualities that that whole book that he kind of puts out regarding that diagram of balanced tactical athletes you have to be balanced or else you're just going to be at risk for injury um and i think that's kind of what you're getting at is is prioritizing training based off where you're weak and understanding that your training age will affect you in each area and i think kind of based off that as well i think what i also this is kind of a transition but what i see athletes that happens a lot is when athletes transition into like maybe intermediate or advanced because what happens is growth slows down and we have to be okay with that um it's a conversation i have a lot where like people will start with me like boom pr 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 and then it'll go like two months without a pr and they start questioning things like oh i don't know if i'm getting good i don't know if i'm doing this i don't know if i'm doing anything right it's like it's gonna happen like as you get more fit me and you've talked about before like i don't know when's the last time i pr'd <laughs> like it's it, they come far and fewer between but you have to be okay with that and understand it's a process because as as you get older in your training age the more you need to plan a cycle and deload and have quote unquote unfit periods where you're working on something you're not peaked at high levels yeah tim ferris kind of made an analogy with like learning a language so he was saying like you know you can learn a new language in four to six months um you can know about 80 percent of the words in there whatever you can learn it pretty quickly 
But that last 20%, that's exponential, right? To become a PhD in that language, teaching it is years long. And so we do the same thing with, with coaching and training, right? A lot of our athletes accelerate through their training pretty quickly when they come to us. If, if things line up well and, and we do the right programming and they follow it correctly and do all the other things, like they accelerate pretty quickly. But then, like you said, when they hit that intermediate, maybe that advanced stage, that's when the grind starts. And it can be very, very, very mentally challenging for these athletes who they're just, they've been on a PR train for so long, they assume it's naturally going to keep going. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, one of my weightlifters right now, she came from, you know, pole vaulting before, very explosive. We just started weightlifting, I don't know, three months ago, four months ago. She's taking second in the nation in, in the USAW online events, crushing it. But guess what? She's not PRing every week now. She's not, she's not, you know, she's tired when she lifts now. She's finally hitting this state where her, her skill level and her natural predisposition to being explosive is meeting her training age. And, and that's where we have to make these slow increments. So look, you know, every so often we'll step back like we did this last two or three weeks and we'll focus on her attributes, strength, power, speed, everything else. Then we back off and then we're going to focus on skill, get, apply that to the clean and jerk and the snatch, but you can't do both all the time. And she's freaking out about it because, you know, those first wave adaptations that an athlete sees right away, which is just, you're experiencing the thing you're experiencing weightlifting. You got first wave adaptations. You're going to get better regardless of what they're doing. They're going to get better. Those second wave adaptations, like the true strength and power progressions, like that takes time. That takes weeks and months and stuff like that. But then that third wave adaptation is the one we're truly approaching, which is like applying it in your sport at the right time on competition day with the right lifts and everything else. And that's what makes things really tough is people focus on that last one, but not the, not the first two and want, just always want the PRs to roll. Yeah. And that's, I mentioned a lot when it's, I say it kind of as a, to make people laugh, but it kind of makes sense is like, Hey man, like it's there with some magic, right? Like, and what I mean by that is when you talk about those third wave adaptations, like competition day on a peak in your equipment with the adrenaline running, it's like, so if I have an athlete that's been training a while and let's say I say build to a heavy snatch and they hit 90%, super happy with that. Because in my opinion, they're not peaked. Let's say we peak them and then they're in a competition and now adrenaline's flowing. We might crank a PR, we might hit close to a PR um because it's the right time right place and all that to kind of create the magic is what i like to call um versus like you said the beginner athlete go deadlift go shovel some dirt come back you're gonna pr your deadlift by 40 pounds <laughs> yeah and I, I think that's where you know flipping it back around so you know we're talking about training age and, and talking about a lot of the athlete things we do but so as a coach here's how my programs kind of shift so when i've got a beginner level athlete when i've got someone who's just coming in you know very very low training age or none at all like my progressions for that athlete are much more linear. And I know on some of these, these podcasts before we've talked about, we're not fans of just following Excel sheets or whatever, but that's more of building a foundation. So each week it may be a similar lift or a lifting progression. I'm not using RPE, reps and reserve, auto-regulated training with some of these beginner athletes because back to that baby snake analogy, they go full, full send all the time and, and can't help themselves or they don't go hard enough. So I give them bookends of training, but it's a range. Hey, today we're doing seven sets of three cleans at, you know, 70 to 80% of your max, no misses, something like that. 
an advanced or, or even elite level athlete, that's where we start to use stuff like auto-regulated. Hey, you're working to a heavy set of three by set seven. I want you to hit three sets above 90%. If you feel good, go for a PR. If you don't, shut it down. And then adding things like RPE in. Like if I'm saying, hey, today's at a nine of 10 RPE, and that beginner athlete's like, yep, I've done cleans once in my life before, so my only <laughs> reference point is that one set of cleans you have me do. It doesn't work. So I'll start with a little bit more of a percent-based linear progression for beginner athletes. And as they get older in their training age, and they prove to me that they can handle it, I'll do auto-regulated volume, I'll do auto-regulated sets. And that's how I switch my coaching to meet the level of the athlete. Yeah, for me, I think when it comes to the newer athletes, I like to work on the higher rep range of um, strength work. So anywhere from five to even like, I've, if they have like a low neuromuscular efficiency, I'll push them to eight. Um, mostly because I don't think the newer athletes have the ability to lift heavy. It's like you mentioned, like, oh, 100 calories or aka one rep max back squat. They do the one rep and they're like, cool, time to, to pack it up and go home. It's like, if, if you do a true one rep max back squat, you need to be like laying on the floor because you're breathing so hard. Um, and so typically for me, I, I up the reps a little bit to about five reps for like maximal sets. And then something that I've been actually experimenting with lately in a lot of programs and I actually really like is I'll do to try and teach them. I'll say do seven sets of three at, at said percentage and then do a max set on the back end. So just rest three minutes and then do a max set. And what ends up happening is let's say I build, they're transitioning from that beginner to intermediate phase. And I say, Hey, build do a tough set of three today or a three rep max. And they do it. And then it's like, I'm, I tell them rest four minutes and hit like one max set and they do it for six reps. I'm like, so it wasn't a three rep max is what we're saying. <laughs> so it's just a, a learning tool that I use, but also then with those amount of sets, we're now getting into a deep neurological hit that like is slowly getting them to learn what that feels like. Yeah. And, and I completely agree. Like the, the, when I was coming up in the game, if you will, all the argument was on, do we max effort new test new athletes in certain things? Do we not never max effort test a new athlete? Cause you'll break them. And, and over the years, I've kind of seen that it's just like anything, it depends, right? So depending on the lift, depending on the athlete and how they move, you know, once again, that athlete doesn't know what true max effort is. And so if they're under my, my you know, supervision and we're maxing out, then yeah, I may use a, a middle range max, right? I may use a, a three to five rep max. They can show me consistency. They can show me uh, versatility in how they move. It's not just a lucky one rep and we build all their stuff off of it. Oftentimes when I do that, I'll shut them down early. Like, yep. like if, I, if they're doing a clean and say they're just a strong person, but their form starts to turn into shit, like I'll just be like, hey, man, we're going to stop there. And they're like, but I got more. It's like, it is, for you, it's not about the number right now. Yep. But you now know what your functional range of weight is of like, hey, this is good form. This is where it starts to get terrible. Yeah, and that's where early on I was going to say, like they'd say never max, max effort test your athlete. Well, as I got older, I realized, well, there's a training max, there's a supervised max, there's a competition max, there's all these things that factor in. So it's not just, you know, one, one answer to everything. So yes, I do max test my athletes. I will shut them down at technical decay if they're underneath me to keep them safe. But then on the same end of that, you know, you have some coaches say, well, give them a 10 or 20 rep max for a newbie. And it's like, well, they just had 20 chances to get it wrong. So I'm somewhere in, in between. I'll use some of those. And if they're especially underneath me, 
uh, keep it safe. And that's how I set some of the bookends of their, of their training. You know, then what I go into next in terms of like how I shift programs for my athletes is exactly what you talked about right there is the, the variables on each training day. So I just made a post on Instagram about this yesterday of people coming back from Corona, right? Mm -hmm. We will use triphasic concepts. Show me a long, slow lower. You can do a six second tempo lower. You've probably got good movement patterns, right? On a squat. Then as it gets heavier, as I'm trying to see how they own their end range, then I'll have them do a pause, six second pause, isometrics. Then we'll build into some concentric stuff later. So a beginner athlete is probably going to start with showing me good movement through a lot of tempo work. I'm going to use tempo to build their patterns, build their connective tissue. I'm going to use pauses after that to kind of solidify their positions and teach them diaphragmatic bracing and spinal bracing and all these other things. And then later on, we'll add the speed. And that's to back to the original concept of this whole podcast when people say, hey, let me get that guy's program. <laughs> I'm like, man, I, a squat is not a squat person to person. Uh, you may hip hinge your squat and you're trying to do his squat program and you're breaking yourself. And I just can't do that in good well, conscience. Oftentimes what, <laughs> why I just laughed is oftentimes what makes, not frustrated, I don't even know how to put it, frustrated, laugh, whatever. It's like, I'm flattered that you think it's that easy where I just threw some numbers on a spreadsheet and created this 12 week program. Like oftentimes me and you talk about all the time, sometimes we're only programming three days in advance and it's not because we're lazy. It's because we literally monitor day to day. And if something happens on Monday, that squat, we're still going to maybe squat on Friday, but maybe it's a different neurological hit. Maybe it's a unilateral movement. Maybe it's um, an anti-rotation movement with some RNT stuff. Like, it's not as simple as like, cool, I'm just going to hit copy and paste and throw you this 12 week squat program that I have. Like it's so much more complex than that. So that's why <laughs> I can't help but laugh when you're like, yo, throw me this. It's like, dude, I wish like I'm flattered. You think it was that like simple, but it's not. Yeah. I'll give you another one. You know, I'll give you another one. Instead of like copying athletes, someone's like, Hey, just make me stronger. Like, okay. Like, what kind of stronger? Yeah, well, lift. <laughs> you, want, you want speed strength? You want, you want like overcoming strength speed? You want accelerated strength? Like absolute strength? Yeah. There's so many other qualities to it. And that's literally what you and I have spent thousands of dollars learning, uh, yeah. you know, in educational stuff, years practicing in the trenches. And that's why, like, you know, it's, it's a little hard sometimes when they do that. Like, hey, just make me stronger without sounding like flippant or arrogant, you know, being like, Hey, dummy, there's more to it. I can't stronger in what stronger, how? And so, you know, it's a lot of times it's education with the person. Most of them don't have this malicious intent. They, they mean well. And a lot of times it's, it's starting with them explaining some of those things. Um, and most of them get it when I can talk to them for a while, but you know, in the, in the Instagram and Twitter generation, like they follow what they can see in a video or a picture and, and you get 150 characters to explain it. So sometimes that's pretty hard. Yeah. Well, um, the last thing I got for, for this man is, is the, you know, kind of stimulus fatigue recovery ratios of a beginner athlete mm. to an advanced athlete that, and that's what drives my deloads. So when I have a very advanced athlete, you know, Alan is, is one that comes to mind right now, uh, came to us a, a very high level athlete. We've been doing some things recently. He's PRing on lifetime lifts. He's hitting a lot of things. He hasn't, hasn't done before, hasn't tested but I would argue he's not truly fitter than maybe he was when he was at the CrossFit Games before, just because we haven't been able to train like that. 
we're just unlocking some of the things that he, he might not have known about before. And so with him, it's a drastically different deload and recovery plan because of what he's capable of doing than a beginner athlete, right? If that beginner athlete has a, you know, 200 pound squat and they can only hit it for, you know, three reps at 80%. Well, when I do their deload, I'm probably not going to deload as aggressively as I will for a guy like Alan who trains harder than anybody I've ever seen, absolutely knows how to push the limits and doesn't quit. That guy requires a substantial deload because of what he's capable of do doing. Yep, I look at uh, like functional reps a week. <clears throat> so I have categories in how many reps I'll give someone based off their experience level. Um, and then that's on the, like, so you talked more about the neuromuscular side of things, like for the rep wise, a lot of times for beginner stuff, it's just messing around with intensity. Like, hey, you just need a little break from the intensity versus if we have our advanced athletes, or even tactical athletes, like we play at both worlds. CrossFit, if you're doing a thousand reps a week, we need to maybe bump it down to about 50 or 500 to 600. Um, tactical athletes, same thing. Like if you're on a deload and I just had you ruck 15, 16 miles on your deload, it doesn't mean you're not rucking at all. It's just we're cutting that volume to maybe you're only doing six to eight, four to eight at like a really moderate intensity because typically if you're rucking 15 miles, the only people that should be doing that is if you rather have something to train for or you're like really experienced. You need that big back off. That way you can super compensate on the back end and keep growing. Oftentimes what I see is coaches don't ever deload and it's just constantly driving the athlete down and they don't understand why they're not getting better. Or, or they get lucky because their program's random and they, they have an athlete. That's just <laughs> and they don't really even truly down. have to deload because it's yeah. not a program. <laughs> yeah, they randomly skip it and let them deload. So I've seen that too. You know, you know, the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll tie it all together with is we've talked before about our biopsychosocial approach to coaching, right? So there's the biology piece, the sets and reps, and what's that, what does that take out of a body, the hormonal stimulus, all the stuff we do with training in the gym. But beginner athletes oftentimes don't leverage the psychosocial piece as much as an advanced or an elite athlete. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say what came first, the chicken or the egg, but all of my advanced athletes and elite athletes have a social network and a mindset, the psychology piece, that's next level. Their social network supports high quality training and accomplishment of a goal. It's not a social network that wants to take them out drinking six days a week, wants them to go eat Buffalo Wild Wings after a hard training session. And at the same time, their mindset is what can I do to maximize my training to achieve success? So they go to sleep early. They eat what they need to. They have good mantras to, to be positive. They don't spend all their time on social media debating into the abyss about whatever thing is the hot topic right now. They focus on getting strong, getting faster, getting better, recovering, and they set up their entire world to do that. And so that's where I would say a beginner level athlete who's just starting, they love it. They come in. They might have that social aspect to them. It's it's hitting nose torque, you know, ammonia smelling salts, cranking up the death metal and get a good training session. Awesome. Great. Love it. What are you yeah. going to do to recover? Oh, we're going to go have a six pack of beer and uh, we're going to stay out all night. All right. I don't think you're ever going to be a dancer elite, but that's that trade off. You want to do that? That's you as a human being, but just all of our advanced and elite athletes, that's never really a conversation I have to have with them. It's one of those things. Like I think people think it's so all of our advanced athletes and a dig at them, like it is a very special feat to do um, and it's hard to do. 
but the same token, it's not. And what I mean by that is they just make the right choices. And that's what it comes down to is like, I oftentimes get these intermediate athletes like, man, I just, I don't understand how they can do that. I'm like, oh, you want to touch and go that weight on a clean? Well, here I can tell you, uh, clean up your food, clean up your sleep, clean up your lifestyle. It'll happen, right? Like it's, it's not like, yes, they're great athletes. Yes, they've worked hard. Oftentimes, the difference maker is just the little things. Um, and that comes with the training age as well. Like the intermediates, I think, get a, or the beginners get away with it. They don't care. Um, and they see progress, uh, progress, so it doesn't matter. But those advanced athletes, like what people don't realize is they're not doing anything special except they're just doing the right thing. Like you made a post about it recently, like do the right thing, right? Like, like if you're doing the right thing, you'll see progress in the direction you want. You can't be surprised though if you're trying to be an intermediate to advanced athlete and you start dog shit in the rest of your day, you're not going to gain any sort of like gains that are worth noting, I should say. You might get a little fitter maybe just from volume, but that's it. That's yeah, that's the trap that beginners fall into as well. They want to accelerate training because of what they see on the fittest on Netflix or what they see on YouTube or whatever, but they, they completely throw out what that person was doing for the last 10 years to get there. And so they try and follow what Rich Froning or Matt Frazier or whoever it is is doing right now, not what they were doing 10 years ago or should have been doing. That's the other question we could really get into. But, yeah. you know, so really I, I think that's where – um, you know, tying it all back together. When we look at training age, it's how long you've been doing something, how fast your training uh, is accelerating. And we build the program to meet you right in the middle of that, like where you need to be at that time. And so that's kind of what we do. That's kind of our model. Um, and really, I think most people would be benefited by stepping back a little bit and, and having that beginner's mindset and saying, you know what, you're right. I might've been a high level, whatever before I'm coming to you to start a new thing. And I'm okay with doing the basics for a little while because I know it'll pay off in the long run. Yeah. Oftentimes I see volume with that as well. People come in and they're like, wow, you cut my volume in half. I'm getting stronger. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, I think beginners cover a lack of skill and a lack of ability um, with volume. Like, hey, I want, I want to be like that guy. So I'm doing all the things uh, instead of doing the really hard things and the monotonous things really well because volume sounds cool. Yeah. Oh, I was on the floor dying after my thousand thrusters today. Cool. Still can't even do a thruster at body weight. Or still can't even like hold a proper form rack in one thruster. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> let's, let's just skip right to a thousand thrusters. But you know, it is what it is, man. I think we've all been there ourselves. We've done some stuff. So I think with, with our athletes though, we're hoping they learn from our mistakes, uh, learn from the time and experience we've been doing it. And we help them, you know, achieve their goals in the, in the most optimal route that we can. Yeah. So um, that's all I got, my man. I don't know if you got anything else to add. All right, I'm getting a head shake. So thanks, everybody, for joining us this week, talking about training age. As always, follow us on the social medias, uh, at Evolution Athletics NC on the gram and, and Twitter, and then evolutionathletics.us on Facebook. And then if you ever need anything, just email chris at evolutionathleticsnc.com. We'd love to have your questions. We'd love to hear you guys, uh, how you respond to these, how these help you. So please keep that coming to us. Uh, we will see you guys soon with the next episode. As always, remember, get better every day.